right. Welcome back to another edition of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. And today I've assembled another fine panel. First of all, returning in his triumphant glory, Brian Jolly. Hey, Brian, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. It's good to have you. And um, tanned, rested, ready, and sober, Cody. <laughs> Hi, John. And Harry. Harry, yeah. He's trying to show me up. I'm going full Duck Dynasty on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today we're going to do a podcast that I've been threatening or promising or whatever to do for about six months now. Um, and, um, that's, we want to take and, um, compare the church to, um, our friends in North Korea. This is kind of timely. Um, our friend Dennis Rodman was, was out there just a couple weeks ago at the time of this recording. Um, and, um, um, the, the beloved leader, he passed away last year, was it? Yeah. Kim Jong is very, very ill. (laughs) Now it's Kim Jong dead. Yeah. Yeah. So North Korea has been a thorn in the side of U.S. policy for generations. Some time. And, um, it's a fascinating study in all sorts of things. Um, and I think it's a useful question for us to compare it to the church in terms of, of methodology and, um, and how they go about things. So we do hereby present the top 10 ways that the church resembles uh, North (laughs) Korea. Any, any thoughts, boys, before we jump in? Oh, just that we were threatening to challenge the listeners to listen to our talk about North Korea and not think of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about doing this and just talking about Korea and not and let, leading, leaving the listener to draw their own conclusions, but we decided we weren't disciplined enough to do that. <laughs> okay, and there's probably more of these, and, and I, should, I should confess right off the bat that none of us are policy experts on North Korea, so we get what we know from the, from the 5 o'clock news, so <laughs> um, just, just putting that out there. All right, we'll start at number 10. Loyal members um, loyal members calling for reform or change are purged or otherwise silenced. Now, I think the key word here is loyal, that, that in North Korea, and, and, and really, I, I, should, I should have said at the beginning, North Korea is a stand-in for all sorts of organizations like this. And one of the reasons I wanted to use North Korea as opposed to, let's say, the Scientologists or whatever, is because people oftentimes... We'll talk about cults. Evangelicals talk about cults all the time, as if it's some sort of religious Without phenomenon. a sense of irony. <laughs> Without any sense of irony. But I, I think there's a broader question that there there are these organizations that sort of take this religious or quasi-religious belief in this central authority. And this cent- it can be it can be a dogma, it can be a person, it can be all sorts of things. And I think there's this false dichotomy that sometimes religious people bring up and they say, Oh, well, you atheists you you have your your own same problem because you look at Pol Pot or Stalin or they'll even throw out the Nazis even though the Nazis were a Washington you know Catholic um, Catholicism but um, they say th- these these were atheistic organizations they're just as bad and myself as an agnostic would say precisely because I don't believe in any sort of God so the Mormon Church Scientology and Pol Pot are all um, are all products of, a feather. of the human imagination. And you can substitute nationalism for religion. Um, they're interchangeable in, 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 in my mind. Um, and they, they, they take on a lot of the same trappings. So that, that's, that's sort of why we want to compare these two. So going into our list, um, the loyal membership. I think this is key to these type of organizations is there is no loyal opposition. That is not allowed and it, you won't find it. Um, you'll always find critics and the critics are always silenced and purged and whatever. But in the case of organizations like North Korea and the church, there is no avenue for any sort of loyal dissent. And, and there's people who will disagree, but think about 
any sort of state conference or ward meeting or anything where somebody can go up and say, can say, I respectfully disagree with this church policy or disagree with this doctrine or disagree with this decision. There is no avenue for that whatsoever. Yeah, who do you tell if you feel like there are just too many meetings? It's in the handbook. What are you going to do? Right, or or something more more fundamental, you know, because because one of the church's shell games oftentimes is in the present, it's doctrine, and in the past, it was just policy. Mm. So so when you read through the improvement era in the '60s, when they were defending, you know, the racist doctrines, there was there's there's no putting the ERA. Yeah, there's no or the ERA is another great example. There's no ambiguity that the brethren are talking about this doctrinally that this is a doctrine of the church, and now we say, oh, that was just a policy. But so so in the present, there's never a way to say I disagree with this this policy because you, you 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 can't do so. Well, in the priesthood, you know, who's the person that has the authority, the keys to receive revelation for the whole church? So it doesn't really even matter whether people disagree or not, because if they disagree, it's because they're not interpreting the spirit properly. And so even it's fine to disagree, but it's not going to ever do anything. You can just they'll just talk to you and say, well. The brethren feel, feel this way about it, and that's they're the ones who receive But when the, you say they'll talk to you, that's key. I mean, yeah. if you get up in just priesthood meeting and say, hey, the stake president, I don't agree with this policy. Like, okay. like the, you know, they're saying that, that they don't want kids dating at all until they're 18 or something. You know, a stake president can do things like that. Stake president sometimes makes dress and grooming standards and decisions like that. Or the stake president, yeah, here's one from when I was a member. They said every, every man had to shave off all his facial hair. Stake president dictated that. There's, there's no, there's no, you're, you're not, you're not allowed to voice any dissent at all. It's gotten worse in the last few years. I mean, they actually tell you that you're not to write the brethren directly, that you should follow the chain of, ma- of command and you'll never get really past your stake president. Yeah. And we'll, we'll come to that again here in a little bit. We'll circle back to that one. Okay. Number nine. The organization is overly focused on winning vulnerable populations such as the youth, those who are grieving or those who are in financial distress. And the more cynical among us, will accuse organizations like the church of keeping people in a state of emotional distress. One miracle at a time, John. <laughs> <laughs> they will they will extract enough tithing or enough taxes um, um, from you that you are forcibly in sort of a dependency on the church. I mean, you look and see what the church does is it takes 10% of your income and then it gives you back canned peaches. But those canned peaches come at a price and it's the double bind. And, and the governments like the North Koreans will do the same sort of thing. And this is what our right-wing friends are always railing against, where governments can overly tax the people, then send it back to them in sort of um, uh, aid, and, and but then they keep this dependent cycle. So I'm not against any sort of any sort of aid for vulnerable populations, but it can be used as this manipulative tool. And then the governments focus on that. Governments like the North Korea always have big youth programs of indoctrination because youth are vulnerable. To the, to this sort of thing. And you look at all of us who've been on missions know that in a backhanded sort of wink, wink way, you are taught to focus in on, uh, on vulnerable populations. I remember one missionary one time sitting, this is when I first got out, I was out about two months and this missionary was about to go home was sitting in the lobby and he was like, I, I sure would like us to see, to baptize somebody who's not retarded. <laughs> but you, you, you know that Everybody's out there knows that a large percentage of the baptisms are people who are in emotional distress, people who are mentally deficient, children. Easier to persuade. Easy targets. Well, yeah, I mean, look, thinking about a, uh, something that happened to me when I was out and going to school, I remember a friend of mine's 
daughter, she was a, a less active lady and her husband was not a member and their fa- something went through, went, happened with their family and they had like a major crisis in their family. And I remember thinking, I actually sent the missionaries over there right then and I said, look, you guys go over to this family and, you know, because, and as a member, you don't think that's really that bad because you're like, they need. No, they're in emotional this. distress yeah. and this will save them. But, you know, it, it, if you look, either way you look at it, it's still, it's, that is exactly what's going on. Wasn't it Boyd K. Packer who, who said you should go to funerals because people are, are, uh, uh con- contemplating the afterlife no, and they're, that? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're, they've they're used open the word, to the, they're open to the spirit. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. They've been humbled and they're feeling, contrite and vulnerable it's was the essence of the talk it's i think it was, it was boyd k backer yeah. yeah yeah there there's yeah he has a rather famous talk where he talks about that you shouldn't talk about the that he said at his funeral he doesn't want them even talking about him yeah, they don't, only want don't to, talk he, about the deceased it's a teaching opportunity yeah yeah and that, that's that's a, a classic example of that sort of thing and I you can see it's in other organizations you know like the the nazis um, before they rose to power and swept the election i mean they started the hitler youth and that sort of stuff so where you're going to focus in on, and they use that, they, they turned that into a sort of Stasi where those kids were turning their parents in. Right. And, and we've seen the same thing in the church where, where there's stories about them, you know, in the young men's and women's training their kids to sort of rat out their parents and tell their parents not to do this or not to do that. I think one thing that also applies to nine, if we're, um, is the, how they lower the age for the missionaries. Isn't that kind of, cause the, why did they do that? I mean, obviously Absolutely. they did it because they didn't want them going to college and learning how to think for themselves. I You're mean, to me, it's right off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You go on your mission, you focus on nothing but the church for two years. You're much more likely yeah. to get indoctrinated. Commit yourself to it so that when you get out, you'll feel like you don't want to feel like you've wasted two years of your life. So you'll just stay focused, get married, have a baby, and then you are locked in. Good luck getting out of that. Right. Right. All right. Number eight. The group is willing to break up families or other social structure to further or preserve its own or organization. Now, this one's tricky because oftentimes organizations that do this will be talking about family all the time. I mean, look at, look at like, um, witnesses. What, what's his face? Um, um, Helter uh, Skelter. The guy who oh, Manson? The Manson. They, they were the family, right? Yeah, Charles Manson. So they'll, they'll, they'll couch themselves in that, in that the Manson language. family. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and, and so how does the church do this? Well, when I was a missionary, I think this is still the case. We weren't even allowed to call our mother. How many people would you, were, when you were a missionary, were you embarrassed to tell that? You know, when, when people would out, people outside the church would hear the rules. Oh, we're only allowed to read mail once a week. We're only allowed to write our family. We're not allowed to contact them. We can only read church, uh, what our mission president oh, told us we can read. I was, I was embarrassed. I kind of, I remember thinking, yeah, that's how committed I am to, you know. Yeah. The cause. Right. And that, that's, that's just one example. Um, uh, a lot of people left the church, you know, have been counseled that, that, um, I'm sure you guys have enough experience. You've been in the community long enough. There's people who want them to leave the church and the bishop tells them to divorce and not to pay attention to them. And they, they'll break up families. They'll disown. You know, I've said over and over, I've said several times, Zilpha and I got written out of wills. So you, you, Put this social structure that causes to break up families. North Korea famously, when, when the, when the, when the line was drawn between North and South Korea, wouldn't allow contact right. between the, the families that were separated by, by the collision. And, you know, there's reports of moving families around and breaking up those social structures. Yeah. Um, once in a while you hear a story about someone who got to visit South Korea and see someone they haven't seen for 50 years. Right. Who are cl- close family yeah, members. Like a brother. They would control that. They daughter. would control. Because, the organization, these type of organizations want to be supreme. 
and, and that's why sometimes, like the Manson family, they will own the, the language of family because they don't want anything that subjugates them. So the church will put a lot of language out about family, but if you read it very carefully, even though they say family is first, it's always in subjected underneath the church. They both hold the family as for ransom too. In, oh, in Korea, man. when you um, if you if you somehow sneak out of North Korea into South Korea, I was watching on, on that documentary and they interviewed the guy and he's like, and they asked him, "So what happened to your family?" And the guy was just like, I mean, the look on his face was just. It was, like, yeah. and he just said, "I'd rather not talk about it." East, East Germany was like that, even even as late as the eighties. I have family who uh, it was like, uh, "It's my cousin's step uncle or something." He he defected. He jumped off a boat, and they they were terrified for the lives of their family because if the government got wind of it, it there would be hell to pay on the family members. Right. That's just so. Brutal. And now, how does that apply to the church? <laughs> if if you don't pay your tithing, you don't go to the temple. If you don't go to the temple, you're not getting a special kingdom. So I will take your child from you for all eternity because you didn't give me three hundred bucks. Well, it, how does it apply to the church? They're not. I mean, what are important? You know, one of the most important life events is a wedding. So they're going to not allow you to attend the wedding. They're going to break up. They're going to force on both sides of that the person who's not allowed to go in, the person who's getting married and can't have their brother or sister or mother or father. Mm-hmm. So so they're going to manipulate people based on their familiar familiar relationships there's the 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 one that ex-mormons puzzle about all the time that if you leave the church um what they hand they hand your parents this they say check this over here's your membership record that says everybody you're sealed to yep so so there's been plenty of ex-mormons who've been outed by the fact their parents say where's johnny how come he's not on my records Mm -hmm. anymore so they will passively aggressively notify other people that you've left the church yeah and then on the other uh, same line there of thought with my family personally, it's like they don't, they may not force them to not hang out with me or not spend time with me or not care about me, but all these genuine relationships that I had with my family are now fake. And the reason they're fake is because I know full well that every single one of them look at me as an, a bad guy now, either a bad guy or somebody who has been deceived by the devil and is my brother, who's a, you know, a mission president, state president to straight up called me. Um, sorry. <laughs> Maybe we should move. <laughs> it's rough because I feel like I'm doing what's right, you know, and for the people that I love and respect <laughs> to, <laughs> Sorry. To all of a sudden just do this 180 on me and just look at me like I'm a bad person just for just for questioning, you know, and wanting. I was actually trying to salvage my testimony, you know. I wanted to understand it and make it work. We're probably gonna edit this all. <laughs> no, dude. This Sorry, is I'm just such a baby. But no, God, it's freak. It's hard, man. And my family is. I have no relationship with my family. I made a last cry for them to like listen to to watch this you know that thing that john delin did about trying to get families to not get torn apart not one of them would watch it not and, one and i haven't met your family but i'm sure they're all decent people oh they're super and, and awesome that, that's the point is this organization has socialized that has ground that into people's heads in such subtle ways that they can they can believe they're a family-oriented organization they can split up families still pat themselves on the back and that's why the organization is 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 so damnable. Well said. Sorry. Okay. Um, number seven. Members are encouraged to look and dress the same. <laughs> Uniformity is encouraged or required in clothing, haircut, jewelry, um, and 
I sort of these these two are kind of unrelated. They seem unrelated, but they're very close together. The organization is preoccupied with the personal life of its members, its sex life, what they're doing at night, all, all, all that sort of things that really don't have any bearing on the way Korea governs itself or the way the church runs. But the church, the church or the government becomes preoccupied with those very personal things. You look at photos of the North Korea, you know, when there, when there, when there are big rallies and they're all dressed the same. There is no individuality in terms of, 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 of haircut. They're encouraged not to wear jewelry. Exact same thing in, in the pictures of the, of, the, of the Mormons. They're, they're, they're encouraged to dress exactly the same. Um, you know, you can't wear even an, an off white shirt when you're a missionary. It, it's it's at, at forcing that individual individuality out. We don't want tattoos. We don't want multiple piercings. We don't want anything that makes you stand out because you are a subject of the organization. Right. The, there's a PowerPoint presentation that I remember seeing not that long ago that had side by side pictures of a of a North Korean massive gathering in a beautiful opulent building and then uh, the the conference center. During conference, and they're lit the same, and they're uh, we're about the same size, and everybody's dressed exactly the same. The leaders are all up behind, creepy, and yeah, creepy, and it was creepy. almost in their bad. own special uniform that's different from everybody's. But right, yeah, yeah, and and the preoccupation with the personal life—it's just interesting that it's it just it just speaks to the control of the organization. Because if you think about it in the abstract, why does the church care how many times you pierced your ear? It, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with ear piercing. It has to do with control. Well, yeah, talk about not important to your salvation is the number of earrings. Right. right. Masturbation is little kids dying. Way. You know, why, why do they care? Um, it, 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 and, and if you look at most Protestant organizations now, now like in the 19th century, they, everybody was occupied with that stuff, but, but it's, it's, a, it's a personal matter. It really doesn't affect anything. And, and more modern, more progressive organizations say, hey, we, we really don't, we really don't care about that. Um, but they're going to be preoccupied with, with every little detail. Okay, number six. Um, and we sort of touched this with number ten, but I think it, it bears circling back to, first of all, the government, uh, the government structure of the central organization is ambiguous, hidden, or unknown. And that extends to finances are unknown. No one can understand the finances. And then um, we, this is the one we started talking about. There's no means for membership to appeal a decision. So I mean, let, let, let's, let's focus in on, on those things a little bit. Um, people might say, what are you talking about? So there's this great big building downtown, three, four, five thousand employees. And we know there's the first quorum of the 70. We know there's the 12. I challenge you to find one member of the church anywhere who can draw you an org chart for, for the church. <laughs> we know that there's these, these corporations. We know that there's the corporation of the first presidency. There's the corporation of the presiding bishop. We know there's all these holding desert property and, but no, nobody outside the central organization, and I would dare say it's been levied before that there's only one or two people who even have the full financial picture. That even members of the 12, there are things that are hidden from them and they don't know that, that the whole organizational structure of the Mormon church, and I'm talking about operationally, like, can you explain to me, if those of you who are doubting, how, for, think about your stake building. How does the lawn get mowed? <laughs> um, who pays the bills? Um, when things show up like a snow shovel or, or, you know, yeah. rock salt, where does it come from? Like, no, no one has any idea because it's all couched in secrecy. And of course, the finances have been talked about over and over again. No one, no one has any clue what's going on there. And, and so in terms of, of, of re- redress, there is absolutely <laughs> no, no means for that whatsoever. If your stake president tells you something, we were touching on it, and you disagree with that decision, like your stake president says only Men can pray in church. 
and, and we know the church has talked about this and tried to address this and, 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 and tried to stop that practice. That practice is still out there. But you're a member in the Timpanogos first stake or whatever. Well, I guess it's still out there. You're not, you women still can't, can't do a general sacrament meeting yeah. either, I don't think. Has to be a priesthood holder. General conference, a woman has never said an opening or closing prayer. But, but let's say they do. Let's, let's say your state president makes that rule, right? So the state president makes a makes the makes the rule that you know all women have to wear nylons. Yeah. Who does your state president answer to? Well, who do you appeal it to? If you know the state president does something that you can point out in the church handbook instructions is against the policy, what is your avenue of, of redress? Yeah. That's why, who does who does he answer? I have no idea who my state president at the time would speak to. I guess there's some general authority, vaguely nebulous. There's, there's, a, there's a seventy area authority that they that they. That is on the line of, of the chain uh, of command. The chain of command, yeah. But you have no access to that guy. No idea. And I would guess that ninety-nine percent of the membership has no idea even who their area authority is. I agree. Let alone and, how to contact. And all it would take, too, if you tried to go over somebody's head, is just for the that state president or whatever to say, "Oh, this guy, you know, whatever," and and he could easily squelch whatever you're trying to do. Well, you get reprimanded from the general authority. You've yeah, you go he'd your, say go back. Go the, right. the church says over and over again, if you send us a, a, a letter. We will send it back to the state president unopened. Yeah. So, so now, now the church is making progress. They're, they do have a, a a sex abuse hotline. Now. So, but but you'd have to have co- a copy of the church handbook instructions, which is not given to you to know what that hotline is. Good grief. So, so you know, it's not something they publish out to the membership. You know, right? Which they could. They know where everybody lives. Like they could send a letter directly There's to the members saying, board in every "Hey, ward. guys, if mm-hmm. your state president is touching girls, this is the number to call to get in touch with Salt Lake." Nothing like that. There is no. There is no redress. Same thing with with the with the Korean government, you know, and and these other. Uh, they're, they're, it's always it's always um top down. Yeah. Yeah. Is this what we're talking about the the feedback loop? There's no feedback loop. Is that where? Yeah. Is um, that a later one? Well, uh, I I think no. Go go ahead. Go ahead and talk about. It. Well, yeah. So uh, in in North Korea, um, the leader sits at the top and he's praised by everybody who's immediately around him because the dear leader has all the power and all they can do is kind of kiss his ass and. They assume his his command is divine and it works, you know, top down. But if something's going wrong, nobody's got the guts to tell them because they might look disloyal. And in, that's in exactly Korea, you're how like the church works. Dead. The, the the dear leader's at the top. He's surrounded by fawning sycophants. And if there's something wrong with the church, well, it's probably because the people are sinners and they're not implementing it correctly or whatever. But all the programs are perfect. Mm. Ah. <laughs> well, and, and th- that that idea that the programs are perfect to go with our point goes hand-in-hand with the programs are unknown. How much does the church spend on its welfare farms? You know, if you drive through the Wasatch Front, you'll see these great big grain silos that the church brags they keep filled up to to the brim all the time in case of the apocalypse or whatever. How much does that cost? How much does it cost the membership to keep a full supply of um, red winter wheat? Wouldn't they account for that as charity, too? They, I don't they, know. They might, I mean, but that's that's the point. Knows? Is is the membership it goes on, on and on to. and says, "Hey, you know, I I have faith that the that everything's being run in good faith." But you can mm. ask people like, "Why does the church run the single largest cattle operation in the United States in Florida?" And no one has an answer for it. And matter of fact, you can't find that fact anywhere in church published material, right? Mm. It's it, people talk about it all the time. So if you Google it, you'll 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 find a lot of you know why do they have forty thousand acres in Florida and all these cattle and all that kind of stuff. But there, so, so so members have this naive response saying, "Well, I know that the because they don't they don't, they don't have any view at all." Hmm. And if there's anything we know, even from church history, even if you accept a faithful church history, you will look back on all these things and say 
the church is constantly being directed by men who make bad decisions. I mean, that's that's the standard apologetic defense for things we've mentioned before. So why do we never apply that standard to the present? Why don't we ever say, holy shit, we've had all these things <laughs> where the prophets have been off. Let's do an audit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. try to figure out what, what we're doing now that, that falls out. No. John, they were just acting as men. They, I, you know, that's how that works. If but, they but ever they're prophesied... never acting as men right now, right? Right, that's right. always yesterday. Mm-hmm. Until tomorrow, and then, oh, whoops, gay marriage, uh... Sorry about uh, that. The, the same thing, you know, with... with that with, was never doctrine. Yeah. Wait, that was, wait for that, ladies and gentlemen. That is coming. Yeah. Gay marriage? Uh, eventually, they're going to have to cave I on. think it's they're going to eventually go... Uh, they'll, they'll find some sneaky, slimy way to why... Just like okay they did now. with birth control, you know? It's it between done, you but, and the Lord. We're yeah. not going to... The church is just going to step back on that one. But, you know, that's an interesting thing because there's this deniability. And it, it, it's interesting because the governments do this all, all the time. I mean, and it's it's really detailed in 1984. We could have done the same thing. Maybe yeah. we will um, because it's even closer there. Where the government knows there's a black market. And they know the black market has to be there. And if you read document or watch documentaries on North Korea, they'll talk about that. And 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 what I'm what I'm arguing is that the birth control doctrine is the black market for the church because you can go not on the church's official site, but if you go get like a disc, you buy it, like Siegel book, and search thing, you you can find plenty of of talks and books and stuff that say birth control is evil. Birth oh yeah, control is wicked. Brigham Young said it was next to murder. But you won't find anything that says birth control is okay, right? Until so, Born B. Hinckley. Even then, they, 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 they'll say things like, you, it's between you and the Lord to figure out how many kids. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is if you have, you have a, a thing saying, this is okay, and this is wrong, and then you have neutral. What we have is a whole bunch of people saying it's wrong and a whole bunch of neutral people. Well, that doesn't, um, a negative plus a neutral does not equal a positive. Right. right. And, and because it gives the church this plausible deniability. They don't have to ever contradict the, the other brethren. They can always say, they can always go back to the old doctrine, and they don't have to have this this situation where they they contradict themselves. That's what freaks me out about all those doctrines that are messed up, and they never like apologize for it and say that was wrong. Right. Like all the crazy stuff no, the Brigham like Young said. Farms to all the they just say, oh, he was speaking as a man, but they don't say he was wrong. Right. They just say we don't we don't you know focus on that now, which means at any time they could go back and use that same thing to justify redoing it again. The best exercise in this, the, the most stark example of this, and it's probably going to change soon, but I have photographs of all this. I can dig them out and post them. If you go down to the Mountain Meadows massacre site, the church controls the the their, the, the bottom site where, where the massacre happened. And there's a big monument to the church building a monument to the Mountain Meadows. That's, that's, if you read all their stuff, and I, I have photos of this stuff. It talks, that if you go to Mountain Meadows, you see this big sort of pillar, monolith, and then there's a big plaque that tells you about the church building the monument. It doesn't tell you anything about what happened. It doesn't, but if you go up to the state site, which is on a hill above there, then there's this great big thing that tells you exactly what happened. It lists all the people that were killed, and you'll notice that everybody over seven was killed never under seven or eight was left alive. Yikes. Um, but, That's but, not true. But, oh. but, well, the they over eight, so the nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds they killed because they were by Mormon doctrine. Oh, um, this is gross. Yeah. Um, but, do but you think the, those guys were evil or do you think they were faithful or both? Both. <laughs> well, Certainly yeah. Both. Um, right. And they were following orders, right? But, but, but the, 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 the point is that here is a is set in stone uh, a, a way that this is done where the, the church is building this monument, but not acknowledging any wrong whatsoever, because the monument talks about Gordon Hinckley dedicating the monument. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this crazy, crazy, it's this crazy, crazy mind f- 
um, that 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 <laughs> you only realize if you if you if somebody points it out to you and you're like, oh my god, there's there's nothing about the actual occurrence here on this site, and it's a, it's a great lesson in how the church never backs backs itself up. The problem with it is it lets the fundies keep going forward because they can rightfully point out to you where has the church ever retracted the birth control doctrine, right? And they never have, mm-hmm. which which um unfortunately leaves a burden on the people because what does the church want to have happen and i brian you mentioned it earlier they don't necessarily want people to have 14 kids anymore because then they're gonna they're gonna um eat off of the church welfare what they want is they want 25 and 26 year olds to have kids and so what this i'll give you my cynical theory here because people go to byu where they're still fairly conservative and these bishops and state presidents will pull this stuff out and talk about how birth control is is evil that was still around when I was at BYU in the 90s. And and then people crank out three or four kids when they're young, which, like you were saying, locks, locks them in. in. Um, and so the church really isn't interested in people having ten kids, but they want you to have three kids really early. Yeah. Um, because then you're not going to – you can't. Drink. Well, you feel in, invested, and so your time is full, and you don't have – and we talked about this in, in another podcast, like the, the luxury of, of being able to contemplate – and think and come to conclusions. But if you're so busy with your kids and you're working your calling all the time, there's no time for that kind of reflection. Right. You're so invested and so occupied mm-hmm. that leaving isn't really ever on your radar. Absolutely. Okay, so number five. Number five is very much related to number six. Um, there are elections with only one candidate for each office, mm-hmm. and all members are expected to vote in unison. This <laughs> is one of those things that you grow up with in the church. But when you see this on, like, stock footage from other governments, it seems so creepy and so bizarre. When when you see, like, the Stalinists all voting the same. And I remember in school as a kid, you know, because I was in, in elementary school in the height of the Cold War, right, in the 80s. And and we would we would point that out, that you can tell America is, is, is God-blessed because we have... These elections that have Peaceful multiple candidates. And, and, but the Russians, the Ruskies, they only have one candidate. And then we go to conference and vote in lockstep <laughs> unison for a single candidate. Well, I remember laughing at uh, the election results when, before we invaded Iraq, that Saddam Hussein got a hundred percent of the vote. Right. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, what an obvious sham. Right. Now, you can talk to people this has happened to. Um, so I'm not making this up. Um, if you go to your state conference and they have the voting of the officers, and you stand up, make sure you get seen, and downvote. They will come down and they will take you out of the meeting and take you into a private room. If you saw a government doing doing that, <laughs> you would immediately say that as prima facie evidence that that they are corrupt and they are an evil government. But but the, the church <laughs> is doing this exact thing. Well, know? and what is that really person exact, really doing? Right? I mean, <laughs> That's where the church does have a leg over North Korea or uh, uh, Saddam Hussein's Iraq. And <laughs> when they took them out into the other room, they were shot. <laughs> they, they weren't. Rather well, than you're socially getting shot if you stood up and did that and you didn't have a good reason. Just you didn't think he would be a good stake president uh, or That's whatever. still a preferable outcome. Now, some would argue yeah. that when the church <laughs> had that power... Like when, oh. when, when, when Brigham Young was the governor. Yeah. And, and Church Porter State, Rockwell would assassinate apostates. Would, would get a, Cut their balls off. Yeah. So, so the Jeez. argument could cynically be made. The reason the church doesn't do that is because they don't have the power to do it. Yeah. But when you allow an organization the power, then they do it. Yeah. Because they can say, you know, one bad apple, blah, 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 blah. And uh-huh. we talked already how socially they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll assassinate people yeah. socially. It's okay to cut somebody's head off if because it's better that a whole, that, you know, you don't want a whole nation to dwindle in unbelief. It's exactly. better to murder someone, right? Um, so, so th- 
the when you have the single elected office and everybody's expected to vote in unison, that is to out people outside the church. And you're that given is the way candidate. super creepy. And the candidate is not. Yeah, there's no balloting provision. What's the point? Hey, here's the, the question. You know, I asked before about you know how is the church governed? You'd see that big building. Here's the other one. How are candidates selected? Well, the twelve pray about it. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so how do they pick a member of the twelve? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and and I'm not saying they don't have a good method for it. I'm saying it's telling that it's completely secret. Yeah. So then the same thing with North Korea. We we have the guy at the top, and then there's this big mysterious amorphous government structure, and you have buildings with no windows and that sort of thing. You know, but no one knows how the how the places run. It occurs to me I know way more about how the Catholic Church picks the Pope than how the Mormon Church. Picks apostles because huh. it's 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 open. I mean, you you know all about the structure, and and yeah, you know you, you have to be in a seat of power. I mean, hell's bells. We're in a republic. We don't we don't vote for the president. Oh, we I can hear the, the electorate. I can hear Glenn Beck um, just having a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is that in organizations like North Korea and the church, it is going to be secret. Yeah. Okay. The the other one related to this point, um, our number five here. Is that the community leaders are also chosen by the central government. So we have, we have the central government choosing its own people, putting the one candidate on the ballot that you are voting for in a sham. Um, because, because there's, there's no, the, the, the fact that the church has no balloting mechanism, it has no mechanism to, to figure out because it's a foregone conclusion right. that when you vote at conference, and, and what's, what's, what's really pernicious about this is they use it against you saying, well, you, you said you, you sustained them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, in a, in a good representative government, the local community selects their leaders. So, so we vote for our congressman, we vote for our city council, city council. we vote for the school board, county mayor, and 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 then we have a say and a participation in our government. It's telling that the local congregations do not pick their bishop. The the matter of fact, a general authority, usually a seventy or a member of twelve, will come in and pick the stake president. And the stake president he picks the bishop, but he has to send that to Salt Lake for approval. So, so, so you have no say whatsoever in the governance of, of your day-to-day life in the church. Okay. Same with the, the, the North Korean government. There's no representation. Every, every local, um, official is put in place by the central government who attains full and complete control. And they have a lot of power too. I mean, one bishop to the, to the next can be totally different. <laughs> Bishops have a huge amount of power and stake presidents an enormous amount over, over the daily lives of the members yes. for, for things we've talked about. You need to shave. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. In Arkansas, it was like, we drink coffee, or not coffee, but caffeine, go for it, you know, and I've had bishops that are like, no caffeine, right. you know. So, I had a bishop, okay. I think I told this story before, but uh, he's a guy I worked for when I was at BYU, and he announced, he got the, the Spirit told him that all of his members <laughs> should go to the temple once a week, and he would pull oh. people's temple recommends if they didn't commit to go to the temple once a, once a week. That's a huge That's investiture brutal. of time. Oh, um, you know, we're talking four hours a, a week by the time you drive there and, and, and a huge burden in terms of child care yeah, and, and babysitters every time. But, but there, there's no, there's no appeal. There's no way to stop that. And, and he had the blessing and seal from central authority of which you can't, don't have access to, you know. Well, it, there, there's another angle to this, by the way, I was thinking about, uh, is that the, from the member's point of view, this is all Jesus's will being filtered down. And these guys, these men are tuned in to Jesus' will, and they know what's going on. And gosh, I don't feel that. I'm probably not as worthy. I shouldn't question it, or I'll reveal that I'm not getting the, the radio waves from Jesus. Right. That, that's a control mechanism all by itself. And, and we talk about this obscure, uh, um, obfuscation where you can't see it. 
I think I've, I've talked about this before, but when I was in college, I read this study where they, they took these college professors um, that were ranked very highly by the students in terms of their knowledge, but their peers, the other college professors, ranked them very low. And the researchers concluded the people who were really confusing, like they just weren't good lecturers, the students always assumed it was them. They'd be in this philosophy class, and this guy might just be spouting nonsense that their their peers would be like, this guy's a moron. But the students would be like, I just don't understand this. I'm, I don't care. He's way smarter than I am. Right. Yeah. right. And I've seen that in when I've been in, like, in graduate school where I've taken subjects where I knew the material, and I'd go in, and that guy doesn't seem as authoritative. You'd be like, no, oh, that's not exactly right. No, he's explained that badly. But if, if you don't have any view to that, then you just assume that it's you. That's part of the reason the church does all this stuff. Because you, you assume, like you're pointing out, that you're the one who's in error. It must be me. Well, that's what happened with me as a teenager, like we were talking about. I questioned it as a teenager, and then I was like, but all oh, these people I respect and trust believe it. And it seems so obviously messed up, but God, I must be missing something. Oh, so, I mean, I've got to give it another chance. I've got to pray harder. I've got to, because God, there's no way all these people, you know, you don't want to accept the fact that that many people are that indoctrinated. But that's reality. It's, it's reality. It's all over the place. I mean, I mean, that's the scary thing about North Korea is when you look at, you know, we tend to look at it, it, it it's, it's the George Bush fallacy. Because the, 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 the Bush doctrine was that when, when we liberated um, uh, Iraq, the people would celebrate us in the streets. Right, flowers. And, and, and the, the, the neocons were flabbergasted when it didn't happen, <laughs> right? They were expecting this, oh, looking at Americans as liberators. They were expecting France... 1944, right? Right. Uh, and it didn't, it didn't happen. And if, that's one of the reasons we don't topple the North Korean regime, because the government's smart enough to realize that the people are all on board. Right. They ain't all becoming like, um, Texas, uh, oil barons. Yeah. My, my mental model of what North Korea is like is this giant con- country surrounded by razor wire full of Electric mud. Forces, it's yeah. always cloudy and the people are miserable dying to get out. But the reality is they are hook, line and sinker into the government. And going with it because they're too terrified to do anything. And they don't else. know anything else either. Yeah. They're well, so you know. It's 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 in their DNA. It's like your family or all of our families. And I hear ex Mormons sometimes posit, "What if the what if the brethren got up? What if the prophet got up?" Wouldn't and matter. Said, yeah, it's not, it, it wouldn't matter. They would just reform. They found out just Thomas like they did in Monson. Colorado City. You know. Yeah, it's like Warren Jeffs went to prison for uh, uh, for being accessory to rape of a child. And they're still taking orders from him. Right. Yeah, I was down there. I was down there the, the, the weekend. I went to the Walmart in Virgin. We were coming out of a, uh, and I had to get my kids a toothbrush. They had left their toothbrushes at home. And there there were the, 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 the cohabs were there in the Walmart, you know. And the, there's no central authority telling them to, to, to do their hair up that way and wear those dresses, overalls. But there they are. So that that's why those organizations are, are powerful. That's why we can't just topple the North Korean government. Right, because they're 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 willing captives. Yeah, they don't know any better. I mean, it's Stockholm syndrome run wildly amok. And, oh, and that reminds me of one of those. Sorry, no, go ahead. That in one of those documentaries they did this. They were doing these cataract surgeries on these people, and some of them had never seen their whole lives. And when these they are took, North Korean citizens, yeah, North Korean. Sorry, and when they took the the bandage off and they're seeing for the first time, every single one of them would go up to the front of the room and just cry tears and just praise Kim Jong-il. Didn't say a word to the doctor. Didn't say, thank you for fixing my eyes. It was, Kim Jong-il is the greatest leader ever. And everyone would shout and it <laughs> took like all day. I mean, it was exhausting just watching it. I can't imagine actually being there, but it was just like, holy <laughs> I, crap. I wonder if my believing mother sometimes has that feeling after she's like, 
worked her ass off all day to make a nice dinner, and then then someone gets down and says, thanks, Jesus, for the food. All right. <laughs> and, you know, lest we think we're great, next time you go to an assembly at your elementary school or um, the Independence Day, something or the other, I mean, uh, Americans get into this, this sort of stuff, too, you know. And, and we're not immune from that propaganda sort of thinking. It's, it's something to be cautious of. You're talking about the Pledge of Allegiance? Is that? Well, just, just all that kind of stuff where, where you start, you start seeing yourselves as super blessed and super set apart and everything, you know, um, you, you know, um, um, America, for example, is, is very resource rich. That's one of the reasons America is rich. We have lots of natural resources, yeah. lots of uranium, coal, all sorts of things, mm-hmm. and that helped build this, this 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 nation, this great nation. I'm a, I'm I'm happy to be an American. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we start perverting that and start saying, "Oh, we're God blessed," you know that that well, we were blessed by dinosaurs who happened to, to die in the right place and give us the right resources. Um, but but it's easy to turn that into this sort of exceptionalism D- divine manifest yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah where much is given much is expected is what it should be yeah okay number four now we're getting into the good ones the organization history is over overly sentimentalized and unflattering information is edited out of official documents <laughs> um, i'm not sure this one applies to the church <laughs> <laughs> you know i it, it's funny because you, you sometimes it, you grow up in the church you know i was in the church till i was 33 34 and when we, when um, Zilf and I moved out to North Carolina, I remember going to the local museum there, and they had a whole section dedicated to like lynchings, and there were photos of, of lynchings, Whoa. you know, that happened in town. And there, there, there's in the in the in the museum there, they had they had this room, this really great room that had a 1950s classroom. On you know, they had a line going down the middle, so the left half of the room was a 1950s white elementary school classroom, and the 1950s. This was the history of the people, wow. and it was all there, all the unflattering information. Warts and all. Yeah. That was part of history. the South was, and and it was acknowledged openly that there were lynchings, you know, mm. and and it was so it was so jarring for me because I'd only really been to like the Utah, and 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 if you go like into the, the Daughters Utah Pioneer Museum and you know where to look, you can find some unflattering stuff, but you won't find anything. That's even remotely unflattering. Yeah, I'd love to see a picture years. of sixty-six-year-old Brigham Young with his twenty-three-year-old pregnant wife. Right, right, you know, up there. Like, here's what actually happened. You know, and and um, actually, in this age, in the age of Google, this is one of those things that used to be something that was really bad. Now, for the North Koreans, they can control Google. So, right. So it's particularly the church tries to control that sort of stuff, but they don't succeed at it. This right. is this is just one of those things that's flipped on its head and it's bad for the church. So the church go keep keep editing your manual. Yeah, please. go for it. Because because we live in an age where people can go and figure that stuff out and they can see exactly how you're whitewashing everything. And matter of fact, the the recent changes in the addition to the scriptures. Yeah, the brand new changes. Yeah. Um, you know, show an awareness of this of this sort of stuff. Happening. Unfortunately people just don't care. But it's <laughs> not just the it's not just putting things down the memory hole. Which, which happens all the time. We edit out. I mean, a, a great example, just so people know what I'm talking about. It was about 10 years ago, the church started this series of manuals from the teachings of the presence of the church. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, oh. which, um, and, and they actually changed, uh, um, at least one quote I can think of where it was Brigham Young. He was talking about his wives and they changed it to wife, you know, and that, and that that's a deliberate, you know, obfuscation of the truth. It's a deliberate lie. Yeah. The Joseph Smith book. Makes no mention of other wives. Right, right. None. So that's where the church has changed stuff. But there's this, 
this glorifying things, you know, like the story of Joseph Smith. Not um, drinking. Not drinking when he got his leg operated on. You just automatically assume that, well, then he probably never drank for the rest of his life, right? <laughs> right. Because he, I mean, if he rejected it as a 14-year-old. That, he's, how old was he? He was like or, nine or oh, seven. Yeah, okay. he was, he was what seven-year-old would like drink whiskey and go, oh, yeah, I'll have some Give more some of more. that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't. You're exactly right. I couldn't get my kids to drink whiskey if I tried. Mm. Yeah, so so we, we we glorify these stories and turn them into saints. And there there are some really fascinating stories about Kim Jong Il where they talk about these signs at his birth and and these these events that happen. first time he played golf he had like seven hole in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these things and 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 you know you, they look so silly when you look at them in North Korea, but there are all sorts of things like this about Joe Smith. You know, he would wrestle and win everybody. Well, give, <laughs> put in your mind a poster of North Korean propaganda with the soldier and the square chin and it's kind of this up angle and it's backlit and and kind of it's like oh you know i don't, I don't know how to put that in words but it came out as a sound <laughs> and then now think about that picture of joseph smith where he's blonde and he's got that blue jacket on and the and it's that same up angle is sort of soft art and beautifully lit same well, exact I, I think about the two paintings of joseph and emma that are hanging in the nauvoo temple right now where they're they're both standing and and we've romanticized this relationship oh yeah and we, we ignore the fact that he was writing letters, keep the secret. I'm gonna, don't tell know, Emma. Yeah, mm-hmm. Don't tell Emma. And Emma's, you know, chasing him around and he's cat, catting around the city and all, all this kind of stuff. So we have, we have no, not only do we edit all that out of the official history, but then we, we turn these things into these, these glorifications. Well, it, what's, yeah. so how lame is it that we have to, our, the history is so bad that we have to write a work in a glory so we can, Pretend what the history. I mean, you know, I was always thought that was weird. What's the work in the glory? Nice enough to call that fiction, though. Well, yeah, or another example that doesn't glorify the leaders, like Seventeen Miracles, that movie, which which I I'll admit I haven't seen, but I've talked to people who have. But the 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 Martin and Willie Handcart Company is a lesson in bad governance. <laughs> right? Young, yeah. It's it it is it is one hundred percent a mistake of the leadership. Right. And and they sent them out there. They were told not to do it. There was hubris on the part of the twelve and and the, the leaders. And then, the, of course, famously rode into camp, and the people were saying, "Dude, this is not looking good." And they and the they were in a buggy, so they could move fast. This is Hinkle and those guys, and they had them kill a calf, right? And they ate the they ate the food of the Martin Company to show who was boss, and they headed off to Salt Lake. And 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 of course, everyone knows the story. That they got notified in Salt Lake early because they sent back the rescue team. What they don't tell you is it was those same son of a bitches who ate the who ate the calf who were in the buggy. They knew they knew that they left those guys back on the planes. They knew that they had oh. sent them, and it was, it was the same member of the twelve who sent them out in the first place when he was told by the cart makers this the woods green. It's too late in the season. You you, you can't do it. But but that that son of a bitch made it to Salt Lake and he didn't go on the rescue mission. Um, and so, so it's, it's this thing that anybody looks at from the outside, this government problem, but they turn it into this holy epic. Yeah. And that's the same sort of thing that, that, that the Korean government has done. All this, this comedy of errors that's t- turned them into famine and this wasted place. It's, it's, yeah. And it's all turned into this glorification. It's, it's really quite sick. Yeah. Talk about a case study in discernment gone wrong. Like just uninspired, as clear as day. <sighs> well, at least today the church couches common sense as inspiration like regular business sense i mean the church runs like any other corporation yeah. in in the old days they used to make stupid decisions to call a revelation and they don't do that as much well anymore. yeah but it's again i would posit that it's in self-interest because they know if it goes wrong they're gonna look stupid and they oh we're, we're, we haven't gotten to that yet 
I think that's a, that's later. All right. Well, let's let's get there. Right. So number three, um, leadership tends to speak of the victimhood of the organization, even endeavors where the organization has a majority or controlling influence. Those of us who live in Utah see this all the time. You have this controlling majority. Not only are Mormons the majority of the population, they are a super majority of of the the elected leadership. So, and I, I've seen this, the stats break down, like of mayors and 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 local Congress people. Hmm. The the Mormons are overrepresented in Congress and Senate. So in the U.S. government, they're overrepresented for their for their population. They exhibit a lot of control there. And in, in Utah politics, the key stakeholders, the key decision makers. Are overwhelmingly LDS. So yeah. you, you have a LDS population 70% and not all those are active, but for leadership positions like 90%. So the, the, the church basically, and the church is known and gets caught all the time. You read the Tribune about every three or four months, there's a story. The church gets caught meddling in politics. And the way they do is they call them into, you know, they call them into the church and they let them know the way the brethren want them to vote. Um, and, but the, the the key is not that they're meddling in the government. The key is that they're always playing the victim card. They're a super majority who hold all the keys of power. But if you listen to them whine, you would think they were oppressed by this by this this <laughs> this, this, this silent minority that's oppressing them all the time. Same thing with the Koreans. They exhibit complete control of, of the economics of, of North Korea. Now you know there's external factors, but everything inside is their control. But they're going to blame everybody else for whatever it goes on well you get that uh from the christians in america are always saying how persecuted they are because they can't say prayer in school and that's oh christian persecution is rampant you guys are the majority by like a ton right 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 yeah yeah it, and it's it's a, this constant we're being persecuted by them by the minority you know and and they they know what they're doing when when they when they play that card and they they they, they have sophisticated media machines to, to crank this stuff out um, and we'll get there in a second. All right. So, so yeah, the victimhood. And once, once you start seeing it, you'll see it all the time. This weepy, sad story of how they're being oppressed by the people who don't want to pray or the people who. Does that include like the persecution that all members. Persecution complex? Feel? Yeah. 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 yeah would sure. that be, you know, because mm-hmm. they love that. Right. It's kind of funny. And, and, you know, here, and here's a classic example of missionaries to go back are, are the aggressors. Right when you're a missionary, you're dressing in the uniform. You're going out into onto people's turf. You're going out into their in their homes, knocking on their doors. But missionaries all have a persecution complex, right? But you're the you're the aggressor. You're the you're the active one. You're showing up uninvited, wanting right. people's time. Right. But but they will see themselves as being being oppressed. You know. So if they show up on your doorstep, you say, "I'm not interested." The missionary will take that as a victimhood. You know. Why do people persecute? <laughs> well, you know, you, you're the one who's going around trying to convert other folks. Yeah, you're the one who has to defend your claim, your belief. Okay, number two. Now we get to the... the Try the, the not topic. to think of the church, I dare you. The, um, the organization controls media as much as they can, including television, radio, newspapers. All outside media, outside of their control, is cast as suspect. And in um, the case of North Korea, non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. And the, the group has an almost obsessive focus on the outward appearances of the organization. <laughs> Buildings and property are meticulously kept. Grass is cut. No litter is ever found. Grounds are always perfect. A great deal of time and resource is spent on the outward appearance. So, so you have these, these two things hand in hand. I remember a documentary I saw about North Korea years ago, and there, there were U.S. dignitaries visiting, and they had... That somebody had snuck a camera on, but they had people cutting the grass with scissors. They had just 
these people on their hands and knees measuring and getting each blade of grass cut. You go down to Temple Square and everything is meticulous, right? That 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 there is this obsessive and and and, and you go. What's funny? You go anywhere in the U.S. And you know when I lived in Wilmington, we were on the beach. Like Kentucky bluegrass does not grow in Wilmington. It's a sand. It's a it's a sandbar, and you wouldn't see it anywhere except the LDS Church. And the LDS Church there looks exactly like it's picked up in Sandy and plopped down on the beach. I hadn't thought about that before. I was just thinking about my mission in Brazil, and yeah, the church had a lawn. Right. And I, don't, I can't even think of anybody else who had a lawn. And and if you compare the churches to um, a lot of places, then they're they're extremely opulent. In comparison to now, now the ones like in Sandy or whatever. Now, if you go up on the bench and like go to Park City, the churches are built with nicer material. They're obviously the churches are they're spending more, but in a lot of places, that that church looks really out of place. Like it's a lot nicer than 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 the other things around because there's this casting of out outward appearance. And and going back to the media, you know, the the church owns a lot of media companies, and um. And the, the fascinating story came out in the, in the Tribune, you know, which is of course the, the the paper of the Gentiles. Yeah. Like, um, that that um, well, I can't remember the dude's name, but they they brought in what is he grandson of Hinckley or whatever uh, to take over the paper, and then he wanted to turn it soft focus. Yeah. And and so the the church's media outlets, KSL Television, KSL Radio, the Deseret News, they, 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 a couple years ago they turned more propaganda ish than they have been for yes. a long time. And their their viewership tanked. Yeah, but you know the church controls and, and has all that media because they really carefully want to control their message. And it's fascinating to read both. You know, a lot of people do this on you know when something happens in Utah to read the Tribune's article mm-hmm. and then read the Desert News and how the Desert News scrubs things. Yeah, you know that when you have an organization like North Korea, when you have an organization like a church, they will always try to control the media. They're always trying to control how they're seen. And when you look at if you go to the church's webpage and go to the newsroom. And they go for like the style guides to the church. The church is obsessed with, you know, the, the, the famous one with the Mormons. You know, you can't call us Mormons, but you can't call anybody else Mormons. We control this term. We control how it's used. You can't call us the church. You have to use the full name. You're just this obsessive, meticulous control that really has nothing to do with reality. Um, but it has to do with that controlling the image. Yeah. yeah. Their image over everything, including your family, your dignity, your home. And it doesn't matter. Church first. Um, don't care. In one of those. Oh, you, you have to, you have to uh, buy medicine. You have to buy food for your family. No, no, no. Tithing first. Us first. Not you. Right. Um, in one of those documentaries, they had, they let them go to one of the people that was getting the, um, cataract surgery done to their home. It was downtown Pyongyang or whatever. And there was picture in every house. They have to have a picture of, Kim Jong Il, the grandpa, and then Kim Jong's Kim Jong Un or whatever. Holy and, Trinity, right? Yeah, you cannot have any other pictures up in your house, and it has to be right up at the top, perfect. And and when they were taking pictures of it, the guy explained, "You cannot take a picture below this line right here." And she was like, "Why?" She's she wasn't even being rude. She was just like, "So why is that?" You know, she was honestly asking a question. You know, and. Man, the second she said that, the guy grabbed her arm and just like pulled her away from the picture and was like, it was obvious that you just do not ask questions. Yeah, I remember hearing a, a reporter who was in North Korea a couple of years ago and they would stage every photo. And if the, if the reporters got caught taking, just even turning, you know, 90 degrees to the left and taking a picture, then they would take the cameras away. And yeah. it's that obsessive. And, and you'll see in these sort of organizations that the, the central buildings are always opulent. 
even when the members are, you know, you know, why the morality of building these temples, even these mini temples that are, they're lit up. I, I can't imagine what the church's electric bill is yeah. per month. Mm-hmm. When they know in like South America, they have members who are living, who don't have clean water. You know, that they're, they're, if, if, you know, you sing, you sing these songs about primary children, of being all the world, Jesus loves all the children. The church won't even ensure that all the kids who go to primary have some clean water. Yeah. But they will import the finest mahogany and the finest, you know, Italian stone, marble, right, <laughs> to, to to build these temple, these houses of the Lord. Well, that's that's God's will, though. You know, He that's what He cares about. Bastard. But 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 in these organizations, it's always the same. The central buildings, the central control is always very beautiful, yeah. no matter how poor and how ravaged the, uh, the even people are. the even the chapels are. Like, I mean, not to that same extent, but in Chile, that's how it was. The 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 chapels were. Like the nicest building in most of the cities that I was at. Absolutely, and and this is where we're going to hold the church's feet to the fire. I'm like, hurry, <laughs> but they're claiming 14 million members, and if they're claiming 14 million members, what percentage of those membership live below the poverty line south of the Rio Grande? It's a huge percentage. So the majority of of, of members, or, or a huge plurality of members, are living in abject poverty. And so, so when you look at the, the, the temple in Sandy, you say, well, look at the house around Sandy, but you have to average it out what the standard LDS person has, and that's not much. And, and the justification of that spending just, just isn't there. But you'll, you'll always see it, because they have to maintain the illusion and control of the central government. Yeah. So let's get to number one, and Cody, you already hinted at this one. Sorry. Um, and th- <laughs> this is the one that's most chilling to me. Um, the term beloved is applied to a living leader by other leaders of the organization and the membership, <laughs> and you will see photos of the leader. If you want the number one sign of an organization you want to stay away from, any organization that puts up photos of its leadership, um, and not just like in the hall of past presidents, but you know, like if you're at a bank or something and the picture of the bank president is on a cubicle wall, run. <laughs> that, that, that is, that is scary. Oh. And, and the idea of calling any leader beloved, I mean, think about it like if we called them our, our um, you know, our beloved President George Bush or our beloved President Barack Obama. Just, it, it gives you chills, right? But that's the way we talk about the beloved prophet. And that's the way they talk about themselves. You know, the other members of the 12 who are ostensibly in line to become that prophet will use that language. Yeah. And that's what's used in North, North Korea. And you'll see that. You'll see pictures on everybody's wall of the leadership. And it's it's so eerily striking to the LDS church. And even other organizations we call cults, like Jehovah Witnesses or the Scientologists, they don't do that. You don't go to a Scientologist ha- and have the beloved Trinity of leadership yeah. on their wall. Yeah, I don't think speaking. I've ever seen a picture of Charles Taze Russell. That's the Witnesses founder, right? Right. I have no idea what it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, there, there is a there is a central control the uh, the Watchtower the, the, Society, but they don't, they don't, um, they're not beloved leaders. <laughs> no um, evil speaking of the Lord's anointed. Right. Like that's. That's out there right now. I mean, so, you know. In terms we, of healthy organizations, and th- this is what's funny is because Mormons be- can become uber Americans. Like they really dig on American theology, let's call it. Yeah. And, and part of that is this, is this, the, the, the power of the government comes from the people, right? And the, the right to govern comes from the will of the governed, right? This is, this is one of the central tenets of Americanism. Sure. And, and the church is, Couches itself in nationalism, wraps itself in the flag. It does now, but is it is the antithesis of the principles that underlie the American government. 
<laughs> it's the opposite of de- democracy. It's the opposite of freedom. Oh man, that's right. That's and, I mean, that, that's that's the whole that's the whole point here. We compare it to North Korea because North Korea is the opposite of what the principles that America embodies. Now we all always fall short, right? Or I would say the the West because you know our all of our or or all of our industrial peers are all on the in the same boat. It's not like America is more blessed than say you know wow. Norway or whatever. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, it, the church has compulsory. Taxes and okay, lack of freedom. Uh, a, a regressive tax, mind you. Yeah, because a ten percent of of the, at the poverty line will keep you from buying bread. Ten percent when you're rich um, is chump change, right? So, so it's a it's a regressive tra- tax, meaning it hits the poor um, harder than it hits the rich. Um, it's compulsory. Um, yeah, you you have no say say in the government whatsoever. It's it's mysterious. There, no one knows what it's doing. It's it's as big a government as you get, right? Because we we don't like big government telling us what to do. I you, I can't find an organization that tells me more of what to do. There are rules governing virtually everything in your life. Not virtually. There must be exceptions. Literally everything. Well, to some extent or the other. Yeah, literally is just tricky. Yeah, yeah. But the, I mean, they have their hands absolutely in in, in everything. Um, and, and they have a blank check. It's, this goes back to our thing with the, our bishop stake president. They, they can give you advice on anything, which is one of the reasons that the church falls prey so oftentimes to like multi-level marketing scams and oh, cross based sure. things because. Well, well, wouldn't you believe that an angel can carry a lead book up into the sky? <laughs> what myth won't you accept? Right. And if you trust your leader, he's a great guy and he, he hits you up for some multi-level marketing ploy. Why wouldn't you, I mean. So the counter, and you brought it up to, to all this. You know what 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 we're drawing out here is we're saying if you take if you take and strip away the idea the church is divine, and you just look at it in the abstract, its governance, the way it runs itself, you would say that it, any rational person would say that is a corrupt government. And and if you just if you just eliminate all the Church of Jesus Christ stuff and you just presented it to to the standard average, even even an educated Mormon, and and you 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 label it, they couldn't say they'd say no that that is a dictatorship. That is awful. That's that's that that has nothing to do with. But they would say, well, because it's run by Jesus, mm, Revelation, bingo. The Revelation. Then then we have the the, then the it's okay. So yeah. But we brought up the problem before. The problem is that when you look at the history of the church, even the doctrinal history, there's so much of it we have to disown now. There's so much of it we have to discard that there's no way really for a, a thinking um, apologist to make any sort of argument that the church now is free from corruption or free from falsehood or free from the thinking of man because it is so apparent that that even a even a faithful member would have to discard 60 70% of the policies and actions and doctrine of the church historically speaking yeah i have a hard time thinking of any single doctrine that hasn't undergone radical change i've i've laid this gauntlet down before and i'll lay it down now you can show me one core tenet of the church that has not been monkeyed with in a substantial way substantial. just one yeah there there isn't one and even even practice like the the way the church ran sacrament meeting uh, 120 130 years ago there were no chapels even you, well, know, you like, only have to go when I was a little kid and they didn't have the 3 hour block you were going back and forth to church all the time when we we used to take the sacrament at Sunday school well you're younger than me so yeah probably, no i don't you know, know. I think, is that true uh you guys are just babies <laughs> yeah, yeah no 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 it, it, it used to we'd go to church in the morning go to church at night mm-hmm. on sunday I do and, remember and that. primary was uh, primary was in the middle of the week and and that, that sort of thing 
But you, you go, you go in the Wayback Machine and you, you notice you won't find any chapels that are more than 110, 120 years ago. Because they didn't have them. They only had tabernacles. They didn't, the ward didn't meet weekly. That, that, that came about pretty much after Brigham Young died. The late 19th century. <laughs> um, you know, so, so the, the, the idea that the bishop was an, was an ecclesiastical leader, yes, but he was more concerned about temporal things. They didn't have anything like, uh, sacrament was served at the, on the stake level. Um, so, 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 you know, the church has gone through radical, radical reformation and, and re, reformation is too kind, but, yeah, but re, you know, reimagining, restructuring itself over and over again. Yeah. And to the point we made before, it's all hidden. It's all down the memory hole, right? You should be able to, at a college level course, take a course in, you know, the history of the structure of LDS service, yeah. right? That, that should be something that the church itself is teaching. Yeah. Right? And has a book on, but but they will constantly try to take whatever the church is doing right now and then repattern history as if it's always been this way. Yeah, the unchanging and everlasting gospel. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, and and it's same same with you know North Korea will rewrite history. Tell the the, the real shame about North Korea is that the North Koreans we talked about this before are completely oblivious to what's going on in the world, their own history, all that kind of stuff has been rewritten. It's they have no way of knowing. And they have no way of knowing. Yeah. And it, unfortunately, it breeds zealotry, you know? Yeah. Makes you wonder how much, how, how many people do know in North Korea, because there are a lot of people who leave, and you know what I mean? So it are makes they? you wonder, well, they sneak out and go to South Korea. I mean, I just wouldn't say there's a lot. I don't uh, know. Well, a lot of people are trying to get out. Let's say hundreds. I think hundreds every year go to China. Either. And, but anyway. So it makes you wonder if if things are going on in the background, you know, where they're like, I love Kim Jong-il because I have to, but when I'm at night laying down, you know, talking to my buddy or whatever, we're saying, this sucks. Well, there's there's always the, the you know, the fifth column or whatever that wants things changed or people who say they don't believe it but stay in because it's good or good for their families. You'll meet a lot of people in Utah. If you hang out with professionals who drink, you'll meet a lot of like dentists and doctors and stuff say, um, you know, I don't believe the church, I haven't believed in years, but I know... If I leave the church, you know, half my, half my clientele is the stake and it'll just decimate my business, you know. <laughs> not worth the cost. It's not worth the cost. It's easier to just play pretend. And, and, you know, that's probably another item we could have added the way that, the way the organizations deal with apostates, you know, people who leave. We, we hit into that a little bit with the family thing, but they'll try to marginalize them and pretend they don't exist and write them off the, the, right. It's not them. like people who leave the church want everyone to leave the church necessarily because we know that everyone has their own brain and they can decide what they want. But the big problem for me at least is the bigotry and the people who refuse to look at history and acknowledge the things that are, that are facts. I mean, my family was like, I will not hear one word of what, of anything that, you know, puts the church in a negative light. Not one word, whether it's true or not, you know. Even if it comes from a church, you know, if it's coming from you, and that's part of what where the demonization comes. It's like, why wouldn't you listen to this? If you're so, like, strong in your testimony and your beliefs or whatever, why wouldn't you, like, listen to what I'm saying Actually, and help it... me, you know, instead of just, like, like, like Richard Dutcher said, pull out the high-powered rifle and blow your brains out. Right. That's what they do. Well, it, it points to... To insecurity, right? I mean, if you have the idea that the, the serpent is subtle and he might trick me and I don't want you to know it, but I've got all sorts of doubts. And, and if I hear anything you say, the devil might trick me. So I'm not going to listen to anything, 
because I've already said that I have a testimony. I'm going to stick with that. And you, you know, that's the, the, but the problem with that is head. it doesn't leave me with any options other no, than accepting my role as the evil guy. Right. Well, which how, basically ruins the relationship. Yeah. How many Mormons get up and say, if it wasn't for the church, I'd be out raping babies right now. <laughs> right. I mean, people, people honest to God say that. I mean, yeah. I'd be a rapist. I'd be dead in the ditch or whatever. I know someone that says that he's, if I was, if it wasn't for the church, I'd be cheating on my wife and blah, oh. blah, blah. And I'm yeah. like, dude, yeah, no, okay, you wouldn't. So, yeah. Yeah. As, as an agnostic, let me tell all you religious people, stop saying that. You're scaring <laughs> us. Yeah. Because no doubt. You're, you're telling me the please, only thing between stay. you and mayhem is, is, is this belief right. in God? Please, I say please that may be church. true, but only because you just said that. Right. That's the only reason. Which it probably goes, it rhymes with the, you know, the statistics that atheists are underrepresented in the population in prison, right? Yeah. You know, if you look at the population who, who cl- classifies themselves as an atheist, it's like eight or nine percent of the U.S. population. But the prison population is like less than two percent. Did you hear Penn Jillette's response to that, uh, the, why aren't you out there raping, uh, uh-uh. question? Says I, I rape exactly as many people as I want to. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I murder exactly many people as I want to. Zero. <laughs> um, so, so I think to your point that you're you're making, Cody, that's what's so telling about this because the the whole point of this podcast is you can take this thing that the nation that probably most Americans would identify as like the biggest evil nation, and there's so many parallels between the church, where the church operates, and the way they operate, but they will not see it. They will sit through those sham elections every six months in the church, and they will not look around and say, by God, this is a sham election. Why am I voting in a sham election? And that, that's what's so pernicious about this whole thing, is because of the way indoctrination works, is you don't see it in yourself. So is it fear on both sides? Is that what we're... I think it's pre-fear. It's pre-cognition. It's like... It's, 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 the mind control is so strong. That they never, the question never gets raised. Yeah, so, the, the control mechanisms work really well in North Korea. I was Korea accused and of, being, of giving into fear for leaving, and I'm just like that boggled my mind. I'm just like, how? I don't even know how you're even well, going there. I think to that point, they see it as this big black cloud, this yeah. unknown, this scary, the great and spacious building, right? And 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 even that that metaphor is so is so wonderful and so telling. We need to tear it apart. That they're all in a dark cloud of darkness a cloud of a mist of darkness right absolutely i agree you guys need to climb a hill and get out of the f-ing darkness and look around and see what's going on right you know um because you acknowledge that you're you're in it and and that they, they don't they just they just are conditioned to see any sort of any sort of question as being out of order so it's fear that they feel in response where i think uh, brian you were bringing up before you know the natural response should be Hey, I have the truth. Bring it on. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel now as, bring, a, bring as an agnostic. I'll talk yeah, about anything. Yeah, prophet please. Of the Lord. Here, we, we'll take them on in a debate. Bring the CNN cameras. You know, let's let's go because we we have the truth. Right. No, yeah, you won't. You won't. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's one of the church leaders that said that truth can't be harmed by inquiry. Hubie. Yeah, and uh, and, no. and if, if something can be harmed by inquiry, it ought to be. Right. Right. All right. You won't well, find many members with that attitude now. No. And they, and to the point is that they don't even realize that they're not that way. They think they're that way. Yeah, I know I did. Sucks. Well, North Korea. Let's all, <laughs> let's all move. I hear they have nice grass. Yeah. <laughs> bring, all right. Well, bring your scissors. Um, as always, the discussion continues on the website um, at mormonexpression.com. You can also join in the ruckus daily fray that is the Mormon Expression VIP Lounge um, on Facebook. Um, ever growing stronger. So you can uh, find like friends. It's a secret group. So your family has no idea that you're in it. 
Um, and, and you can join and come on in. All right. Well, Cody, Brian, thanks again. Yeah, it's always thank fun. You. Sorry for blubbering like a baby. <laughs> I right. hope you edit most of that out, if not all of it. That was like, that was authentic <laughs> and genuine. Uh,